0: Uh, I'm going to say, no one's better than me. But... I sincerely hope each and every one of you Dolphins fans is buckled in. Welcome to the Wednesday... April 1st edition of the Locked on Dolphins podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, diehard Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, senior NFL draft analyst at thedraftnetwork.com, and oh boy, ever since I've come on to this show, one of the things that I have tried my best to communicate to you guys is the unpredictability of the NFL draft and this process that the Dolphins are currently going through and this, this critical juncture of this team's rebuild never marrying yourself to a single outcome. And why is that important? Because you're going to get a lot of misinformation. You're also going to get some information that's correct along the way over the course of the next three weeks before day one of the NFL draft and the Dolphins presumably pick three times, they might pick once, they might not they, they might pick four times, who knows uh, but the crux of this issue stems from Adam Shafter coming on ESPN programming yesterday and talking about Todd McShay's mock draft selection of Tua Tungavailoa to the Miami Dolphins with the fifth overall pick and Adam Shafter said on air, all the talk of Tank for Tua, and the Dolphins, and Tua, and this natural pairing. He said, I'm not so sure the Dolphins are as all-in as many people think they are on Tua. This is a fluid situation, but he came straight out and said, direct quote from Adam Schefter, I'm not so sure the Dolphins are all-in on Tua the way that people think. And it will be interesting to think what they will do at number five if he's there and Miami doesn't trade up, move around, whatever it may be. I'm not so sure that Tua will be their guy. We have been told for 14 months that Tua is the guy. Many of us as Dolphins fans have become conditioned to any outcome for the 2020 NFL draft that is not Tua is a failure for the Dolphins. We have to be mentally prepared for this team to draft Justin Herbert over Tua. We have to be prepared for this team to trade up and draft Joe Burrow at what will be a premium cost. The people who are married to the idea of Tua will say smokescreen. It's that time of year, smokescreen season. That's exactly what this is. The Dolphins are doing a masterful job. And listen, the Dolphins are doing a masterful job because nobody knows what they're going to do. One of the things I do have the luxury of doing throughout the course of my work is talking to football executives and some head coaches and assistant coaches. and I've been doing this about seven years now. So I, I have enough connections and enough people that I know that that I can have just just some candid conversations, and I'm not reporting anything here, but even going back to Indianapolis, teams not attached to the Dolphins, there were teams that said, yeah, you know, we we look at the, the total body of work, we look at the resume of each of these guys, we take into consideration the systems they played in, what their supporting casts were, the medical components. We'd probably lean... Herbert over Tua if you you just had those two guys in a vacuum. This is a, a thought that seems so foreign to people on the outside looking in, but I'm telling you guys right now that this is, there's is a very real possibility this materializes. And the COVID-19 stuff is an extra layer that makes this super complicated. And if the Dolphins feel like we can't strike out, and we don't know what Tua's hip is, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I do not know what that process will look like to make that decision. But we continue to hear rumblings of Joe Burrow as well. This this is not going to go away. So I would say, realistically, there's a feasible chance any of the top four quarterbacks in this year's NFL draft could be the guy, as Adam Schefter alluded to, not Tua or nothing. Jordan Love would probably be a great candidate to. Take somebody, take one of these offensive tackles at five and then trade up from 18. If you feel like that discounted rate versus what you would need to go up and get Joe Burrow, or if you feel like you have to trade up for, for Tua, or if Justin Herbert, you know, if you feel like Jordan loves a, a higher ceiling but you know you can get him later and you're willing to get a better return on a better offensive tackle. This is a very complex proposition for the Miami Dolphins, and Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald again went down this rabbit hole yesterday talking about uh, the Dolphins preparing to, to make a run at Joe Burrow. And he doubled down on the report that he had dropped right around the combine. It was early March. And um, it's not going away. So us as fans, the best thing that we can do over the course of the next three weeks is explore every possible outcome, talk about what the cost is, where you can get better around whatever player at whatever cost it is between Justin Herbert, Tua Valoa, Joe Burrow, and Jordan Love, and what the offense will look like and what the expectations should be. the Dolphins go out and get Joe Burrow somehow, he may push Brian Fitzpatrick for the starting job. If it's Tua, you're definitely looking at a red shirt. Justin Herbert, depends on how the season goes. Jordan Love's probably also looking at a red shirt. So there's a lot of dominoes here that are going to fall depending on how the Dolphins choose to handle the next three weeks, how much they're invested in going up to get their guy in Joe Burrow, if that is indeed, as Armando Sogarra reports, what the the situation is. But we have now, in a span of 24 hours, Heard Armando Salguero double down on his report that the Dolphins are going to try and trade up for Joe Burrow. And we have had Adam Schefter, the NFL's premier insider, come out on SportsCenter and talk about how he's not so sure the Dolphins are all in on Tua, as everybody else thinks. Smokescreen? Perhaps. But where there's smoke, there's a chance for fire. And we are getting to the point where there is enough smoke that we got to keep our head on a swivel here. We got to be prepared for the Dolphins to go off the expected course. Welcome back, guys. And in continuing with the the idea of the quarterback conundrum that the Dolphins are facing, and specifically Armando Soguero of the Miami Herald, uh, in doubling down on his report that the Dolphins are, are going to go after. Joe Burrow via trade, uh, which he reported initially earlier in March, and then doubled down again yesterday in discussing. Uh, Armando went through this exercise of looking at the first overall picks in NFL drafts and said, use use the failure of number one overall picks as a justification for the Dolphins to not give up picks. If we wanted to put Joe Burrow, the prospect, into forecast him into Miami at the cost of hypothetically all three first-round picks this year, if you choose to forecast in that light, I don't necessarily think it's as easy as saying, well, there's three number one overall picks that are on the free agent market in Jameis Winston, Jadavion Clowney, Marcus Mariota changed teams this year, Cam Newton's also on, he's the third free, number one overall pick. Jared Goff feels like a, a bust. Armando went as far as to say is that, that Andrew Luck is the most scary story of the first round picks in the last 15 years. Mentions, obviously, Sam Bradford's in here and Jamarcus Russell and Mario Williams and Alex Smith and so on and so forth. Last 15 years of first round picks, first overall picks. But it's not that simple. You can't just be like, well, these teams picked first, and they got a good player who ended up not being as good as what you thought he was, so that's not... A, the, the Dolphins shouldn't give up picks to go get Joe Burrow. If the Dolphins choose to go that route, you have to bear in mind the landing spot and the situation that Joe Burrow would be coming to in Miami is greatly different than the the situation he'd be going to in Cincinnati. It's just like Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the classic case, right? Patrick Mahomes uh, went... uh, Kansas City had to trade up from the 20s to select Patrick Mahomes. And in doing so, went to a place where he could redshirt for a year. He started the last game of the regular season this rookie year, and then took over for Alex Smith, and they had this changing of the guard. If Patrick Mahomes, in the same draft, goes number one to the Cleveland Browns, is he Patrick Mahomes? Or is he a player who will be negatively impacted and influenced by his surrounding cast, most of these teams that picked number one picked number one because their environment stunk. And that's a great piece of context to remember. There's only so many examples here of a team that traded up. 2016 is a great example. Jared Goff, the Rams traded up for the right to draft him with the first overall pick. Why? Because they felt like they were a quarterback away. And after making a coaching change where they successfully married a young quarterback with a head coach who had effective communication, an effective invigoration of the offense, things took off. The Rams went to the Super Bowl. They lost, but they went to the Super Bowl. And I'm going to ask you right now, if the Dolphins... Traded up, much like the Rams did for Jared Goff. And in two years, they're in the Super Bowl and they lose. And he's passing for 4,200 yards, 30 touchdowns, and 12 picks. Is he a bust? No, of course not. So that's why I don't think it's fair to just look at the number one overall picks and say, well, you got to tread carefully here. Because here's a really nasty track record of the last 15 overall picks that didn't pan out and didn't win Super Bowls. Okay, well, a lot of times it's it's really hard to go from a team picking first overall to being in a Super Bowl. The Rams did it. The Carolina Panthers did it with Cam Newton. If the Indianapolis Colts had any semblance of an idea of how to build an offensive line, they probably would have won a Super Bowl with Andrew Luck. If Andrew Luck hadn't gotten worn out, I feel like the the Indianapolis Colts would have been a legitimate Super Bowl contender in 2019. He retired at the, the midnight hour before the start of the 2019 season. This team goes, I believe, 7-9 and nine with Jacoby Brissett. If Andrew Luck was healthy, that was a roster that was ready to make a run. It can be done, but it all comes back to the team-building component. So the question for the Dolphins is how far along are we in this team-yielding component after rebuilding year in 2019? Having all this draft capital at our disposal, and then that in turn parlays into the magic question for the Dolphins of what is the cost of hypothetically going up to go get Joe Burrow? I know good good colleague of mine in the football space, Joe Goodberry, who's a Bengals guy, recently shared to anybody who asks what the price would be for the number one overall pick, five first-round picks is the minimum. I can tell you right now, it would probably take less than five to actually get it done. But here's the weird thing. The Dolphins have five first-round picks in the next two years. So hypothetically, if this team were an average team, all you'd be giving up is your first-round pick next year for Joe Burrow. Of course, the Dolphins are not an average team. They were very unorthodox in their stripping down of the roster, very unorthodox in trading away Laramie Tunsil and Minkah Fitzpatrick. But this is why you do those deals, so that you have the opportunity to, as Chris Greer says, do whatever we want when it comes time for the draft. The Dolphins are capable of making a godfather offer. And in doing so, the Dolphins, oddly enough, because of the Laramie, Tunsell, and Minka Fitzpatrick deals, are not going to mortgage their ability to build out the rest of the roster with young, cheap rookie talent. Because the Dolphins could say, we'll give you three ones this year, no questions asked. This team will still have one, 39, 56, 70, two ones next year and two twos next year team gets antsy sees somebody fall into the early 20s okay let's package twos and give up a three and all of a sudden we got two first round like you don't want to get too ambitious with throwing the assets into the first year but if this is the dolphins guy they're gonna have an opportunity to do it the question is just will the cincinnati Bengals play ball That's the million-dollar question. And that's the question nobody knows the answer to right now. But if, in fact, the smoke here from Adam Shafter and Armando Salguero is the Dolphins and Joe Burrows, the guy that they are completely enamored with, which, again, makes sense because of the COVID-19 situation and not being able to properly and fully vet Tua the way that you would in an average year, You're probably going to say, if we're going to give up assets, let's give up the assets necessary to go get the guy who doesn't have the red flags, even if it's a higher cost. Because we are preferably, if everything goes according to plan, never going to be in this situation again. And if you trade up like the Rams traded up, you're giving up tons and tons of pick and you're mortgaging several years of talent infusion into your roster and you kick this thing down the road two years. and lo and behold, guess what the Rams have. They have a cheap talent problem on their roster. They had to bring back Andrew Whitworth at 39 years old to play left tackle for this team because they let Roger Saffold leave. And they have no reinforcements at offensive guard. and then they had somebody get hurt and their offensive line was washed. And they gave Todd Gurley at 25 years old a four-year extension with 18 months left to control on his contract. And then fast forward 18 months, and they cut Todd Gurley. And Gurley never played a snap on his extension. It's a difficult proposition to suggest we're going to mortgage the picks. But again, the Dolphins aren't mortgaging the future. They're not mortgaging their ability to add young talent. They'll still have boatloads of flexibility. In a perfect world, if the Dolphins did get this done and it did take three ones, you're getting two this year and one next year. But the Dolphins do not have to wait 40-plus picks to make a pick in either of the next two drafts. Shoot, even this year, you give up 5, 18, and 26, you got to wait 38 spots to make a pick. You get the first pick. You pick again at 39 then you're on the clock again in 17 picks. So there's a way to take this in stride. It's just a question of whether or not Cincinnati can do it. But the Dolphins, with the way that they're positioned right now with the early assets, they can afford an all-in approach and not mortgage the future of their team. Where this thing, in two years, you've got a money problem, so you let some guys walk and you don't have guys waiting in the wings who can step into that. The other thing I do want to talk about today on the show, is I do want to talk about potential veterans on the roster that could get traded as well. You know, this is not the 2019 Dolphins. We're not giving away talents for pennies on the dollar. But are there any players? Because I'm getting a lot of questions about Jerome Baker as of late. want to address that. want to address Xavier Howard as well. So we're going to address these two veteran players. Here on Locked On Dolphins, Wednesday, April first, NFL Draft three weeks away. Bless us. Clarity is coming. Jerome Baker seems to be a perception that with Elaine and Roberts, Kyle Van Noy, and Kamu hill that the Andrew Van Ginkel who this this coaching staff selected that the Dolphins linebacker room is full, to which I would say this. Remember the new collective bargaining agreement that was released this past month and was ratified. NFL teams now have two additional roster spots at their disposal on the active game day roster. It's now a 55-man roster. It's a big get. What that also provides is more value for guys like Elan and Roberts, who could feasibly play some offensive snaps if he needed to, will definitely be be playing some rotational defensive snaps, and will most definitely be standing out on special teams. I do not think the presence of Elan and Roberts and Kamu Grugler-Hill pushes Jerome Baker into the fringe of the future of this team mentioned it a little bit yesterday on Power to the Pod, but Jerome is a player who was asked to do some things and play in some spots last year that ideally you wouldn't have to ask him to play. I want him in space as much as possible. He's a rangy, explosive linebacker and he's smart as hell. I definitely think he's still a part of the long term here. Raquan McMillan is definitely also a part of the, the future here. I think Sam McGuavin might have something to stress about a little bit. He had a great season in 2019, really came on as the season went on, adjusted to the NFL style versus the CFL style. But I mean he's a 27-year-old undrafted rookie for a reason. Playing the CFL for a reason. Because from an athletic skills perspective and a, an athletic traits perspective, he doesn't necessarily check all the boxes that the traditional coaches and general managers and decision makers are going to want. So I would say if you're looking for a linebacker that's on the fringe, I know this team also brought back Vince Beagle. Also let's compartmentalize because there's off ball linebackers and then there's this joker pass rush hybrid role. And I think this joker pass rush hybrid role features guys like Kyle Van Noy, Andrew Van Ginkle, Vince Beagle as a, Early down version of this player. Preferably now a rotational player. And then your off-ball guys are... Gruger Hill. Raquel McMillan. Jerome Baker. Kyle Van Noy can play that role. And that flexibility is what makes him such a valuable chess piece. Elandon Roberts. Probably the poor man's version of do both as well. So... No, I don't think Jerome is on the fringe. I think Jerome will continue to be a long-term piece of what the Dolphins are building. Really positive football character. Really bought into the process. Xavier Howard is the other name. I know some questions were, well, Dolphins have second and third highest paid corners in football. Do we consider moving X because he's got the injury red flags and we don't want to get burned by this? To which I would say this. The Dolphins can let Xavier Howard play football this year, and if he completely flops, if he blows out his knee, heaven forbid, don't want to see that happen at all, but if he completely flops or if he blows out his knee, the Dolphins can part ways with X two years after signing a record-setting contract and be on the hook for less than $7 million in dead cap in 2021. Dolphins played this same little trick that we talked about last week with a lot of the additions that the the Dolphins made in this year's free agent class. He had a 7 million dollar roster bonus last year. So guess what? That's 7 million dollars less in guaranteed money that's prorated over the course of his his contract. Smart business. They front-loaded the cash. They said we're not going to we're not even going to get close to spending anywhere near the cap in 2019. X, how much of your guaranteed money do you want up front, man? And they did, they did it. And yes, he's got a significant cap hit this year as well. And the annual average salary will always be what it was once he signed on the dotted line. But the Dolphins manipulated that cap space. And the Dolphins, this regime was the one that signed Zavian to the long-term contract. Same regime that signed Byron Jones. This is part of their blueprint and vision. And they deserve a chance to see that materialize. If it doesn't because of extenuating circumstances, so be it. But in the time being, this is clearly what the Dolphins want to do. They want to play in your face physical press coverage. That way, when it's time to turn up the heat, the timing of the offense is off because receivers can't get out of their routes into their breaks because you got two long physical dudes on the outside pressing those guys. So the quarterback's going to hit the top of his drop. Receiver's not going to be where he's supposed to be because they can't get off the press. And he's going to have to hold the ball for an extra half second. Down he goes. That's the design. Dolphins have a chance to see that materialize. We should be excited about the chance to see that materialize with two lockdown corners and X and Byron Jones. So no, I would not advocate trading him either. Cap space is not a problem. It's not going to be a problem for this team for the time being based on the way they have handled the last 18 months or 12 months. And we should feel good about that just like you guys should feel good about coming back to see me again tomorrow here on Locked on Dolphins. Got asked a great question. Somebody asked me about my Mount Rushmore of Miami Dolphins. I think there's two ways to do this. There's all time, and there's modern era, or my lifetime. (laughs) I was born in 1989. So I grew up in the twilight of Dan, and most of my memories of Miami Dolphins football have been life without Dan. So I think maybe we'll do that tomorrow. We'll do 2000, pre-2000, after 2000, and overall Mount Rushmore of Miami Dolphins. Get a little break from the draft talk. Unless there's breaking news, unless somebody else drops into the bombshell on us casually-owned Center tonight. So stay tuned. Come on back, see me again tomorrow. Kyle Krabs, Lockdown Dolphins. Thanks as always for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.